Morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It is Monday. It is, I don't know, July 15th, something like that. And uh, I've got a couple of things to talk to you about. First of all, look, for those people who go onto iTunes and leave a rating and review, I really thank you. That's really very nice of you and very helpful. Except every now and then you get trolled a little bit. And, you know, this is going to happen. If you put yourself out there, then some people are going to dislike you. Uh, sometimes substantially, but there's a really good one here. Zero stars. This was from uh, somebody called Retired Aravia. Climate change propaganda and Tesla fanboy baloney. Very little useful information for the Tesla owner. And I've always sort of struggled with that, that sort of climate denying, it's all a hoax, it's all propaganda stuff. And, you know, basically, I've decided not to really engage very much at all because it's just silly. It's like, you know, as a physician, somebody coming up to me and saying, you know, cigarettes don't cause lung cancer. And be like, really? Okay, well, I don't really want to have this discussion. Because it's silly. But what's really interesting is that even this White House is now starting to take a little bit of a turn, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, take a little bit of a turn because they realize that 70% of people are really concerned about what we are doing to the climate. 70%. It's now becoming, for a lot of people, you know, one of the most important reasons that they will vote and for whom they will vote. And so we've seen just in the last week a little bit of a spin around, a little turn where this particular White House is now starting to say all of the great things that it's been doing for the climate, which is, of course, um, let's be clear, absolute crap. But even Lindsey Graham, even Lindsey Graham has been pleading with the president, please read the climate science. We need to do something better. So Lindsey Graham, who's from a state that's having some big issues with climate change. I mean, you can only deny this for so long before you become, you know, a complete fool. And I should say this, if you're listening to a Tesla podcast and don't expect somebody to be talking about climate change, you have no understanding of what Tesla is about. And so if we go to a tesla.com forward slash about, let me tell you what Tesla is about. And it says right up there at the beginning, Tesla's mission is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. Tesla was founded in 2003 by a group of engineers that wanted to prove that people didn't need to compromise to drive electric. That electric vehicles can be better, quicker, more fun to drive than gasoline cars. Today, Tesla builds not only all electric vehicles, but also infinitely scalable, clean energy generation and storage products. Tesla believes the faster the world stops relying on fossil fuels and moves towards a zero emission future, the better. And then it goes on and sort of describes all the things that Tesla is doing and that Elon Musk has been doing. And why did he do this after he sold PayPal and had a bunch of cash? Is because of the enormous existential crisis that climate change represents. I'm not sure it's actually an existential crisis. I think it's just a crisis crisis. Uh, maybe it's existential when you think we could destroy this entire planet. I don't know. That's where you get the existential angst from. But I guess the point is, to those people who don't like the show, I get it. Uh, if you don't like the show, it's not useful to you, I get it. And uh, you can say that. That's fine. But I do not understand anybody listening to any podcast about Tesla that doesn't understand why Tesla exists and the fact that you are inevitably going to be talking about uh, sustainability and uh, renewable energy. It is quite literally the entire reason for their existence, their entire reason for existence. And therefore, if there's a podcast that says Talking Tesla, we're going to be talking about it. And now I've gotten that out of my system. There's a couple of other things that I've been really struggling with the last week. And uh, that's a couple of things. So first of all, what is this increased production thing that uh, Jerome Gilliam was talking about last week? What is it? 
Is it just that there's a lot more Model 3s going to get produced? And if so, uh, why? Uh, where? Uh, what's going on there? I still haven't read anything or heard anybody give a clear explanation of what they think is about to happen. Why this big jump in production? Of course, I'd really like it to be Model Y, that they're going to bring that out earlier. But that just doesn't make any sense. It must be that they are just got a lot of demand and they're going to increase production to keep up with that demand. But where is that demand coming from? Is it just sort of homegrown because there are more Model 3s out there and more and more people are seeing them and driving them and riding in them and going, hey, this is a really great car and it keeps winning award after award after award. Is that what's going on? Or is there something else? Is it a different market? I don't understand what that email is about. And I think a lot of people are struggling with it. And then it brings me to my second point. Like my S lease is up at the end of the year and I'm already getting sort of emails from Tesla saying, hey, you're going to get another car, going to get another car, going to get another car. And I really want to get the Model Y. To me, that seems to be like going to be the perfect car for me. I want something that's smaller than the X, um, but is still sort of SUV-like and I can put a lot of stuff in there, um, but smaller than the X. The X is a great car, but the Falcon Wing doors, I don't like. And it's also quite a big car that I don't need. But then I was thinking, then I was thinking, I was worried. Here, here's my concern. If they want to keep selling Model S and X, then they have to continue to differentiate it from the Model 3, which keeps winning these awards, and soon Model Y, which is going to win, I think, probably a lot of awards. And so how do they make that differentiation? And so if I were Tesla, the way I would differentiate S and X from 3 and Y, if you didn't want to sell too many of those, or you wanted to continue to sell a lot of the more expensive and therefore more profitable S and X, is that I would differentiate it based on range and speed. So I would make the S and X have about, you know, 450 miles range, 500 miles range, and then keep 3 and Y at around 300. Even 300 is more than most people need the vast majority of the time. So keep them there. But then for fools like me that really want a lot more range, then that would be a way to start enticing them. Or for people who really like to go fasty fast, make sure that S and X go significantly faster, accelerate much faster than Model 3 and Model Y. That's not important to me. I mean, I do like a good pickup, but you know, I don't consider myself a good enough driver to be able to put the foot down and do uh, 0 to 60 in two seconds. I'll probably kill myself. So, uh, but for some people, that would be a big deal. But then you would have this clear differentiation. All right, S and X you get because they're way faster, have a lot more range and are bigger and more luxurious. And you get 3 and Y because they are great mid-range cars, better than anything else out there and safer than anything else out there. And then hopefully one day we have, you know, the next car, which is much more affordable in even the Model 3. That's what I would do. But I hope they don't do that because I don't want to spend uh, $100,000 on a car. Well, you know, don't want to have a payment on $100,000 for a car, whether it's leased or whether it's sort of a bank loan. It's a stupid amount of money for a person to spend on a car, as beautiful as that car is. But I really, really want that extra range. So can they suck people in to push themselves into the bigger cars by making those more expensive, more profitable cars have something that truly differentiates them? And again, I say it's speed and range. You don't want to do it with autonomy. You want everybody to have a really safe car. You don't want to do it in those ways. But in things like, you know, range and speed, you could do it there. And then I was uh, talking to my son about the fact that, you know, we've talked last week about how Tesla is going to have to start selling these cars uh, for a lot more money than you pay for them right now. And so 
if that really sort of starts to become true as we start to see next year full self-driving, if that really happens, which I'm still thinking is more than a year away, but that might actually be a reason to go buy yourself a car uh, next year because uh, these cars might become very, very expensive pretty quickly. And so uh, rather than uh, leasing a car that you can't get back, and that's how it is right now in the US, you can't get your Model 3 back at the end of the lease. My cousin just got one and it says very clear, big letters, uh, you don't get to keep this car when you're done with it. Um, it's over. And so if you want to own your own car, if you, you want to own a new Tesla, then next year might be the year to go out and buy yourself one. Because after that, the price might go up two, three, fourfold, and it just won't be worth buying them because they'll all be on the Tesla network and they'll be much more profitable to Tesla to keep them than to sell them to him. That's a little weird. And then finally, and this is a little rambly, I know that's the one all over the place here, but then finally I was thinking it's going to be weird that I potentially, I'm only in my mid-50s, I'm going to be one of those old people that used to drive and that the kids are going to say, Grandpa, I can't believe that you drove a car. Nobody drives cars. Everybody knows that people in cars are really dangerous. People haven't driven in cars for 20 years. What? Tell us about that, Grandpa. It's weird. My son's generation, he's 19. He might be the last generation of people that drives a car. He'll be telling his kids, yeah, we used to drive around before there was full autonomy. It's weird. It's also kind of exciting. You know, I don't know how this all ends up, but the idea that cars will drive themselves, and if we get this right, we'll be much safer than human beings, and all of those lies saved, and that I can order up any car I want for what I'm doing that day, tiny little car because I'm going by myself, or I need a big pickup because I've got to go pick up some stuff from Home Depot. That's an exciting future, which seems like it's just around the corner. So although there's lots of bad things happening in the world, and we have you know, climate crises and other stuff, there's also some fun and exciting things happening around the world. And one of them, we'll hopefully tell you about in the next few days, is that there's a Hyperloop competition down at Hawthorne. And I'm going to try and get down there and go see what's happening and tell you all about it. The show is Elon Daily. It's part of the Talking Tetsla podcast. If you like the show, you should go on iTunes and leave a rating and review. And if you don't, then rather than giving me a bad rating and review, go listen to some of the other podcasts that are out there that are really good, like the Tesla show. It's really good. Teslanomics. Really good. Ride the lightning. Really good. There's a bunch of uh, YouTube and Tesla stuff out there that's really good. Go support them. Look after them. These are good people spreading the word. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.